Well, hello and good day, wonderful podcast family. I hope that wherever you are in the world, you're doing incredible. And I'm sending you my prayers, well wishes, and good vibes to you, your family, your friends, and everyone you love. We've got a tremendous episode of the show for you today. We have Matt Wenning on, and we are talking about the keys to superhuman strength, wellness, and success. Uh, Matt is a successful entrepreneur. He is also a powerlifting world record holder. He is phenomenally strong. He has worked with the military. He's worked with fire. He He's worked with sports teams. He really knows what it, uh, everything there is to know. Maybe not everything, but he knows a hell of a lot about getting strong and being healthy. So we talk about a paradigm shift in strength, uh, surviving a car accident as a kid, um, the gift of pushing yourself to the limit, what he learned from working with the U.S. Army, uh, why mastery takes practice we talk about the importance of planning uh planning and following your passion the value of coaching uh why consistency is key why we need to be adaptable and so much more so this is a phenomenal episode i hope that you enjoy it and if you want to support the show please take a minute to leave a review in itunes they really help and i want to thank maddie f uh for taking a moment to leave this review where he says Thank you, Matt. Thank you for what you put out. This is priceless content. This is helping me out tremendously through some difficult times. I look forward to working together more in the future. And I also want to thank Holly Milner for writing this uh, testimonial about the Atomic Alchemy coaching. And she wrote, being a part of Atomic Alchemy has been a cocoon of strength, encouragement, and inspiration. I'm consistently growing and have shown qualities like resolve and empowerment I didn't believe were within me. So we helped Holly with her... um, you know, taking her passion of art and her art business and really growing it so she can be more successful. So it's been great to see her have more more success around what she loves to do because she's really amazing at it. So if you guys are interested in support around coaching, around the soul compass, around the quantum heart hypnosis, and really living your life, uh, you know, creating your life on purpose from your authentic level of being and your heart and who you truly are just hit me up matt at zenathlete.com and i'd happily you know help you out and show you some of the variety of ways that we can work together and i can support you um thank you to all the members of the community if you want to become a member just go to mattbaylor.com you can sign up for free or by donation there's going to be some special exclusive member content only coming that i'm going to start putting in there again but i appreciate everybody in there because patreon was deleted so we're backing up episodes over there and it's a way for you to support the show so that's it Uh, let's come into a state of peace and coherence remember the best way to support this show is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today so wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and let it out slowly filling every cell muscle and fiber of your being with joy peace contentment strength courage and get ready to enjoy this amazing episode with matt wenning Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. As you know, we are currently overcoming extreme censorship. So if you want to support this show, do what you can to share episodes. But remember, the best thing you can do is to do three acts of kindness wherever you are in the world today. Today's guest is one of the only lifters on the planet to hold all-time world records raw and equipped. He was one of the top lifters in his classes for over 15 years, dominating nearly every federation in powerlifting. With a master's in biomechanics and contracts with the U.S. Army, his status as one of the premier strength coaches and speakers has been proven for nearly two decades. Currently, he is a strength and wellness coach for three fire departments and one of the largest Ford dealers in the country. 
He is improving health for thousands with his coaching videos and educational content. Welcome to the show, Matt Wenning. Awesome. Thanks Man, for having me. Yeah, man, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to have you here. Um, you know, I went through, I came familiar with uh, some of your work a few months ago and was just kind of blown away. And I just love how you're integrating um, the knowledge of strength and powerlifting, which is, you know, if, if people don't know who you are, they should go look up some of your records and some of your numbers, like the stuff that you're lifting, what you've been able to do is it would look like it's impossible. Like the numbers are absurd, like over a thousand pound squat. It's just like, you can't even imagine how mother effing strong, you know, that you are and other people that you've been around with are, it seems impossible, but now yeah. you're adding like the science and the understanding and the mindset and all these other tools that are so important that can really help a lot of people because I think society in general is getting a lot softer. So to have yeah. this education at this time, I think is really paramount. So I'd love for you to just uh, introduce yourself and say, how did you get into this and the work that you're doing sure so back about 1992 um my uh my dad had just passed away and um i was kind of i don't know I don't, I don't know that i was doing it at the time but i was kind of looking for father figures and some guidance and i just so happened to land myself at a local ymca where there were very prominent businessmen and doctors and lawyers that were not only super impressed with already how big I was at 11, 12 years old, but also um, my ability to listen and learn. And so they took me under their wing and taught me a lot of what they knew. Uh, one guy was a 500 pound bencher at 185 pounds body weight. And another guy was one of the first guys to deal of 700 ever in powerlifting in 1969 and 70. So just to be so lucky to be from a small town and have that kind of pedigree already there was impressive. But the one big thing that I think kind of hits home now that I'm older is the fact that watching those guys do those types of things is I had no limitations on my mental state. So when you're seeing a guy that weighs 180 pounds bench press five plates on each side, you start, you know, realizing that how strong you could be. And I think that's a big issue with a lot of kids and even normal people is they're not around people that are that strong at a developmental age. So they automatically set limitations on themselves. You know, the average person, if they see 225 or maybe even 315 on the bench, they're like, holy shit, this guy's strong. Where I started at 11 years old, that wasn't shit. And so <laughs> people like that, that drew me into that at that young of an age really set my mindset correctly to what was achievable. Because, I mean, an average person that's not been around weightlifters would have no idea that it's achievable to develop 700 or bench press 500. Now keep in mind, this is the early nineties where there was no internet. So it's not like you could go look up and say, Oh, look what, you know, half Thor Bjorgesen just dealt at 1100 or you, you didn't get to see any of that until magazines came out and did a spreadsheet on them or something. And so that kind of strength and education was very limited to a lot of people based on the fact that this wasn't accessible. So with that being said, um, that really changed my life. Um, my dad passing away, those guys kind of taking the torch, being my father figures. And in some respects, being a better man than my dad was, especially physically. My dad was a very strong, tall, athletic person, but um, just not a great teacher. He was, you know, very abrupt and, you know, very harsh. And these guys were patient and they knew I had potential. And so that, that was a big big change for me. I turned a negative into a positive, which has been the story of a lot of avenues in my life. But um, 
So that kind of started the process. I do my first bench press meet around uh, eighth grade. I'm, I think I'm 14. I bench pressed 250. Um, now, keep in mind that I was in a car accident when I was a kid. So in first grade, I got hit by a car on my bike, snapped my right leg in six places, my left in four, shattered my pelvis and basically scalped my head. Um, got hit by a car at 50 miles an hour on my bicycle. A uh, lady was driving drunk in the neighborhood and smashed the shit out of me. So again, I don't have a lot of patience for people that tell me their knees and their back hurt. And they don't know how to squat. They can't delve and squat because the amount of damage that I incurred and then the, the numbers that you've seen me do, um, it's one of those things that starts to realize that really the only limitation you have is the one you place on yourself. So um, about 18 years old, I start deciding I'm not doing great in high school. My first couple of years, you know, I'm misguided. Um, the teachers put me in vocational schools. You know, they, they don't know what I'm going through and they don't really care. And um, so as I start to hit about driving age, 16 or so, I start realizing I better get my shit together in high school or I'm not going to make it very far. So I start really working hard in school, getting my grades better. And long story short, it's just enough to scoot my ass into college. And the reason I start to go to school was because I went and did a, a job shadow with the Indianapolis Colts. Um, it just so happened that my mom worked with a lady that her son, which was about six or eight years older than me, was an accountant for the Indianapolis Colts. So I go down and do a two-day job shadow with John Touring, which was Peyton Manning's strength coach, Edron James' strength coach, a lot of really good players in that time. Um, and he basically tells me, you know, if you want a job like mine, you're going to need to get a master's degree. You're going to need to go to college. So now I'm switching gears from meathead to educational um, with still maintaining some of the meathead philosophy. So about 20 years old, I get into school. Um, and when I get into when I get into college and I'm paying for my own schooling, I start to really blossom as an educational person and uh, push hard enough to get into graduate school at one of the toughest exercise science courses in the in the world at that time under Dr. Kramer and Dr. Volick, which are two of the most published researchers in strength training in the world, probably to ever live. And uh, they see a, a fire in me and start to educate me beyond what I'm learning in school. All that time, I'm breaking collegiate national records. Um, I have American record totals and I'm on, I am uh, good enough to be ranked in the IPF as a junior in the open class. So not only am I younger than everybody, um, I end up being one of the first, um, one of the youngest people to squat 900 pounds. So after I get done with that, um, I'm driving back and forth to Westside Barbell, where I had met Louis Simmons in 1999, 2000, uh, which was about a two and a half, three hour drive one way. I would drive up on Friday, squat, get up in the morning on Saturday, bench, and then drive home. Um, and I would do that about one to two, maybe three times a month. So you're talking a pretty big financial investment, but I was just maxed out of what uh, I could be pushed in at, at my local gym. So I had to start going to places where people were stronger than me. And when you're squatting 900 pounds, there's not many. So I'm driving over there. I'm learning more. I'm learning the intensity it's going to take to break world records. Uh, I finished school in my, my master's degree in biomechanics in 2005, move over to train at Westside Barbell full time. I go from being 26th in the world to top seven in about a year. Um, and then within the next year, I start off um, 
I'm ranked about fifth in the world. Um, Louie and I have a fallout at the gym based on training methodologies and I start to do my own thing. And within about a year later, I'm the best in the world um, and held that particular title, at least in some parts in one lift or all lifts for the next 15 years. So um, it was a big, um, you know, a big journey. Uh, but I think the big thing that separated me was just constantly learning, constantly pushing my own limits. And I felt for some people, it would be too much stress. But for me, I felt that if I wasn't willing to push myself to the limit, there was no way in hell I had any um, responsibility and or authority to tell anybody else how to do anything better. And that gave me a massive edge because I wasn't willing to do or have anybody else do anything that I wasn't willing to do myself to the, to the max, to the limit. So I felt like to be a great strength coach, I had to put myself in those positions and that started to give me a big edge. And not only did it break world records, it started to get the attention of the U S army. Um, I get this random secure email from uh, the government asking me if I would come down and take a look at third battalion ranger regiment strength conditioning program. And keep it in mind, I don't know a fucking thing about training tactical. All I know is, you know, what I learned in biomechanics school, what I knew with my own lifting. And it gave me a pretty good edge because I was a 300 pound guy that had all time world records. And I'm walking in to a special ops unit. So I get to the special ops unit and um, the guys, most of the guys are very weak. They don't know how to lift correctly. They're basing all their shit on cardiovascular training. They got tons of injuries. And uh, without going into it too deep, I modify and change what they're doing. And within one year, the injury rates drop 30%. Performance standards go up about 15%. Um, that really started to catch the eye of the U.S. government. And they put me on a committee board with the Pentagon. When that happened, they made me in charge of 4th Infantry in 2011. So then I was in charge of 6,500 ground troops. And I had to design an entire strength training program based on 6,500 people, which I would imagine would be the biggest uh, job requirement than any strength coach could imagine. I mean, if you're a pro strength coach for a pro team, you're in charge of 60 guys. I'm in charge of over 6,000 guys. So I had to learn how to get my point across quickly, do it at a lower education level. So get them to understand very difficult things to cognitively kind of apply and do it fast because we didn't have time to teach them what I knew. I had to teach them how to use what I knew and do it quick because we only had a couple of years to change everything around. Long story short, we did change everything around and then 82nd Airborne picked me up and then Border Patrol picked me up. And then all this time, the fire departments around locally in Ohio were starting to catch wind of what I was doing and their injury rates were through the roof. And so they started, um, they started contracting me to fix those particular problems and we did. And uh, it just spread like wildfire. So that's kind of how all of it, started and I got famous, but it all came back down to a passion. And I really believe came back down to not telling anybody else to do something I wasn't willing to do myself. And I find that's a big problem in society today. We got all these, pardon my, you know, we got all these fucking experts and then nobody's really been a real expert and actually done the real shit. And that's where I find it become a huge problem in not only strength training, personal training, and all of those other factors, but in almost in every field, everybody wants to read a book and now everybody's an expert. Well, in my opinion, put a thousand pounds on your back, take it up and down 
And now you're an expert in strength training because you're not going to get there in two weeks. You're not going to get there in two years. You're going to get there in 20 years. And that means you've got to understand how to put the throttle to the floor, put back the throttle off to recover and stay away from injuries. If you learn how to do that, you're going to be very strong and very experienced, especially if you're reading and studying and training at the same time. So I felt like that gave me a super edge. I would imagine, and this is just my opinion, the only other person that I feel has done the same thing I have done is Dr. Fred Hatfield, which understood that you needed to get faster in order to get stronger back in the early 80s. And he squatted over a thousand pounds at 40 years old back then. And he was a PhD. He was a teacher, but he also understood what they called compensatory acceleration, which was get faster to get stronger. Um, I feel Louis Simmons is in that same ballpark other than the fact he didn't get an education. Um, so there's only been a handful of people that I felt have walked it and talked it their entire lives to be able to actually talk about strength. Wow, man. Well, yeah, you brought up a lot of uh, really important concepts. And I was actually just speaking with this uh, to a friend of mine, even in like kind of the spiritual community, you know, in the strength community, it's it's obvious how much lift uh, weight are you lifting, right? So if you're lifting a thousand pounds, it's absolutely extraordinary. And then you can have people who might talk about it in all these theories, but then you see what they can do. It's like, you know what, maybe your, your knowledge isn't as deep. I'd actually prefer someone who can do it, who can walk me through and however they can understand it, that's good enough rather than you reading all these studies, but why can't you do it? There's a different level of knowing and understanding. It's like, yeah. You know, you can think something and know it from reading, but you can also know it from doing it. And that level is so much higher. And there's, yeah. huge, there's huge value in, uh, like you talked about pushing yourself. So I learned that in martial arts, like seeing every ounce of, of what you're capable of, of doing and giving. And most people are not willing to do that. And you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about what it takes to be successful in anything. And I've always thought that if you want to master anything, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be strength. It could be sports. It could be music. It could be art. It could be anything that you love. If you go down the path of mastery that you want to get as good as you possibly can you can apply those principles to absolutely anything um yeah. and so now when we have this you know strength world you know with health and wellness this industry has kind of gone to crap to know and understand a person can squat a thousand pounds it's an it's an absurd number it's just so crazy where i remember yeah. putting two plates on my back and i was like this is this is amazing and you see these levels and you also talked about Something else I think is so important is putting yourself in the environment, the best environment with the best people you can, right? When you go to a certain gym, right, and or a certain place, you know, for me, when I wanted to snowboard, I went to the best snowboarding that I could. So in the United States, it might be uh, Aspen or something. Well, you go there yeah. versus your tiny hill, you're going to get such a higher quality of uh, athlete that you're going to accelerate your learning and see what everybody's doing and then immerse yourself in that environment. And so, mm. you know, you're going to learn at an accelerated Right. And that alone is, is a really key, uh, a big key to becoming successful as well. Yeah. I mean, the big thing is, is I think some people have a limitation. They want to be the big fish in the small pond. So that limits that they'd rather be the badass on the bunny hill versus the, you know, have to look <laughs> like a shithead over in Vail or Aspen or Jackson Hole, Wyoming in your particular scenario. But I really truly believe it's the person that adapts both. So you have to have that thousand pounds on your back let's just say that for an example, but you also need to be up to date on research, understanding training and all those other things. And the person that can mend both of those is the true master because now they not only understand the theory, they also understand the application. 
And those two things need to be combined because not everybody has built the squat a thousand pounds, but it doesn't mean that you're not going to learn from that person if they're highly educated, but can also explain something at a high level down at an elementary level. You know, I, I remember my my top level professors, Dr. Kramer used to tell me all the time, a very smart man can explain something that's very complex, very simply. And if you can't do that, then you're just talking out of your ass. You know what I mean? So for me, I learned how to do that with the army because these guys barely graduated high school, some of them, and they want to understand why speed work is important to get stronger. Well, how do you explain that to somebody that doesn't understand physics? Right. You better be pretty damn smart to dumb it down and figure out how to explain that stuff. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm reminded of this uh, one. There's a book called uh, You Are the Placebo uh, by Dr. Joe Dispenza. And it talks about all these studies of, you know, using mindset to cure yourself of certain things. And, um, you know, you talked about your injuries. And I watched uh, West Side versus the World last night, which which you're in. And Louis had come back and he'd like broken his back and done all these things. And he's still deadlifting, I don't know, five, six, seven, something stupid, right? With a broken back. And you just, you begin to reconsider like how much of a wuss you're being, right? Because there is this balance of you don't want to injure yourself. And that's where uh, you come in with a lot of your education about doing it right and doing it smart. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so how do we combine those two worlds of like pushing yourself where, you know, a lot of people will, will have that mindset. I'm, I, I tend to be in that category where I push myself to injury, um, but I try to know myself enough to back off before. So I'm kind yeah. of riding that uh, line. And it's the same in extreme sports where my background is, is helping people elevate you. You know, you can do a backflip over a 40 foot jump. Well, can you do one over a 60 foot jump? Well, once you can do that, can you now do two backflips? Every level up is another risk assessment, right? It's you're, you're leveling up. And so you want to do that in a uh, very calculated way. So you're reducing mm -hmm. that chance of injury because every single time you do the jump, um, it's there. So how do you kind of um, bridge those two worlds? Because like when you look at examples of Louis or even like someone like David Goggins and he just like his story is just completely absurd. You're like, all right, if you want to feel like a wuss, just read his book and realize yeah. you're not pushing it. So how do we, how do you recommend people balance that? Well, I think, you know, going back to Louis a little bit, I learned more of what not to do from him than what to do. Um, and that's, you know, we talked about that all the time, even when we were still talking, but, um, you know, you watch guys get injured and you realize, well, how far do you need to push to actually get better? And that's, that's the big question. I think nobody's asking, um, and, you know, especially in the, in the strength world is what's the minimal amount I need to be doing in order for my body to absorb the training and actually learn and get better from it versus going 120 miles an hour when hundred miles an hour would have got you in the same position. How you answer that question is have patience. The body doesn't adapt to things quickly. It adapts to things very slowly if you're talking extreme things. So if you want to squat a thousand pounds, you know, I, I tell people this, my first contest when I was 13, I squatted like 300. So from 13 to 26 is when I squatted my first thousand. That's 13 years to put on 700 pounds. That's the difference. Everybody thinks, oh, well, mass squats, and to be completely, make sure everybody understands, my best squat was actually 1,200. So, but it took me from the age of 11 to 34 years old to squat 1,200 and never missed probably more than a month of training in that entire time. That's what it took to do it. So I didn't get strong overnight. I got strong over many, many years of just slowly getting my body adapted to those weights. I find that injuries in anything extreme 
come from pushing the limit too fast. The timeline is not long enough. And I say this with Charles Poliquin taught me this a long time ago. He was one of my other mentors, which I consider is probably one of the most underrated strength coaches in the world. And he would say that you overestimate what you can accomplish in a year and underestimate what you accomplish in five years. Yeah, I love that saying, and I've come across it before, and sometimes I've heard it uh, overestimate one year and underestimate 10. And when I'm working with people, what I like to do is if we're thinking about, like, say, life purpose or direction or a goal, right? Um, you have a big goal in mind, something crazy like that, like he's squatting a 1,000 pounds. It's like, well, are you willing to commit 10 years to that? Because if you're not, maybe you don't love it enough. You're not passionate about it. You got, you got to keep uh, thinking and considering, right? And then you're going through that painstaking process yeah. because there's going to be failures. There's going to be setbacks. There's going to be a learning curve. There's going to be everything under the sun. So you're going to need more motivation, more will, uh, more internal drive to get over those things to get to that spot. Because if you want it right away, right, you look at like liposuction and pills and uh, all these, you know, enhancements. And even um, in the strength world, there's a lot about performance enhancing drugs and and people's different ideas on that but even if you took that i think it was you in one of your videos said you know wait till you get really strong first and then add that in because you're gonna have to have the diet the work ethic the knowledge everything lined up you're gonna need to be totally dedicated before you even um think about adding something like that where most people's mindset is all right you know i'm out of shape let's go get some of these peds we're gonna have two months you know, and I'm going to deadlift every day. I'm going to go hard. And then at two months, they're so disappointed about what they've done because they've, they've seen no yep. change. And so, well, yeah, I think the big thing is, is drugs are going to promote, in my opinion, about 10% gain. So why put them in at 200 pounds bench? You're going to bench 225. Nobody cares. Now, if you're already benching 500, that's going to take you to 550. That's a pretty big deal. Um, The other big thing is, is that I would say 95% of people that have asked me about performance enhancing substances haven't put the time, the effort or the energy in long enough to even ask that question. If you look at a lot of the research done in Eastern Germany and the Soviet Union, they talk about not inducing performance enhancing drugs until the age of 24 to 26 after a 10 year base has already been built. Now that was, that was understood by thousands of athletes 60 years ago, and we're still fighting the same damn battle that we're fighting today, which is impatience. So the big thing is, is that impatience is usually the killer of all goals because impatience implies that you don't have a long-term thought process, which also implies you don't have a plan. You're just thinking that if you just put the the work in in short term, you're supposed to get better. Um, I find the same problem with TRT, which is a basically a lower dose of performance enhancing drugs. What what is the problem? with looking for why the bullet hole exists versus putting a Band-Aid on it. Meaning, you know, if your nutrition's not right and your sleep's not right and your lifestyle's not right, adding anabolic steroids or TRT is not going to fix the problem. It's going to compound the problem. And that's the problem or the issue that we have with our entire society, whether it be fitness or business or whatever. We all want to be famous or millionaires or super strong, but we don't want to do what it really takes to get there And now we have all these side effects of these issues, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm wondering if you talk a little bit about um, some intangible benefits for people just getting a general level of fitness. You know, there's a lot of uh, studies and um, 
circumstances out there where like it grows a kid's confidence if if they're stronger if they're more athletic if they in tune with their body and it might not be athletics is one it could be music it it could be art it could be something where they develop their skill they grow the confidence with that but you know i love there's this uh socrates quote and it says something like um what a shame it is for a man to grow old without seeing the power and strength of his own body and you look at these old greek statues and (laughs) they are absolutely jacked And, you know, that's kind of seeing like, uh, you know, we're born with these uh, shells that can become these high performing things that have all that potential. But, you know, we waste that away and not everybody might not want to go through the strength realm. Maybe they like for me, I liked extreme sports. I like skateboarding. I like martial arts. It's a different avenue, but it's still exploring the body. It's understanding the vehicle that I'm in. And I understand that some people prefer art and it's. a different thing but even with that if you have strength and vitality and health right why wouldn't you add that in you know and so i'm wondering if you can talk about a little bit of the like intangible benefits if yeah. someone out there is a regular joe they're never going to the gym you know even for me who has like you know have exercised the stuff that you've done and i see these power lifter dudes is com- completely absurd but having that jet my general deadlift is bigger than most people bigger than me and it's not even that much you know especially when i go into your workouts and i see what people are pulling it's the smallest but for the general population it's it's way higher so Mm -hmm. i'm curious if you can speak on that a little bit yeah um well first of all you know everybody should be focusing on a little bit of strength in certain areas might meaning that no one can ever have a strong enough posterior chain and posterior chain for the layman person is everything on the backside you can't see in the mirror. So the stronger your spinal erectors are, the stronger your glutes are, and the stronger your hamstrings are, the less likely you're going to have knee pain, hip pain, or lower back pain. Now, with that being said, the number one cause of lower back pain is hip mobility issues. So if you're doing squats and some deadlifts with good form, you're going to be enhancing and sustaining hip mobility which is going to reduce everything that's painful when people get older. And the problem is 85% of the workforce today is with desk jobs. So that creates a whole nother issue because now you have glute inactivation, you got hamstring tightness, um, you know, so you got all these other issues. And so the big problem is for most people is that you need to sustain posture. If you go to your average grocery store and look at the old lady that's walking with a big hump in her back and she's, six inches shorter than she used to be, she didn't get that way from squatting a 1,000 pounds. She got that way from gravity slowly pushing on her at 9.81 meters per second squared, meaning that if you are not counteracting the everyday average pressure on your body with proper um, constructive exercises, you are going to age much, much faster than the person putting in quality work. And that's where it's very important to kind of contact professionals, because I'll tell you this straight out, the average person walking into a gym with no education is doing more harm than good. They're not doing better. People think, well, if I just go in the gym and work out, that's good. It's not good if it's not directed in the right places. And for someone to understand what that is takes a professional. So not everyone needs a professional strength coach per se, but they definitely need professional advice on what they should be doing why they should be doing it, and what's the minimum. I mean, if that's not your goal and you don't want to be super strong, we have people that come to the gym all the time that only train 40 minutes a day, two times a week, and are 100,000% better in six months than they were when they walked in. So I think the nice thing about strength training, unlike cardio, 
is the fact that you can do minimal shit and see a lot of results. And no matter what your goal is, it could just be, you know, not get hurt in the garage when you're messing or playing with your kids. You need to give back a little bit every week to your body in order for it to not age so quickly. And that could be nutrition. That could be strength training. But I find that trying to sustain and retain proper posture and motor skills, it doesn't matter what your goal is. That should be on everybody's radar. Yeah, I a hundred percent. And you know, having a daughter now, she's two, and you go to the uh, gym or not the gym, the uh, the playground, and you just see, as a dad, you see how flexible you are, and you got to climb under things. And a lot of people really have, uh, you know, struggle with just basic functions, right? Basic yeah. mobility. And so I feel like it should, you know, if we're human beings, we have a body, we should have a basic level of fitness. You don't have to be breaking world records, but a basic level level of fitness is probably ideal. And I'm curious, you know, with you, you've been successful in business and I see a lot of correlation for people who master either strength or fitness or a sport where they're able to transition those skills into business. Um, you know, uh, what's his name? Rhino. Who's that guy? Stan Stan Everding. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I like listening to his rants and things like that. And one of them he went into was just talking about how, you know, if you take that same dedication to, you know, building your body strength and all the different, um, things it requires, you apply that to your business, you're going to be successful. And so I've, I've, I've seen that too. And I've kind of learned that through martial arts, what it took me, uh, to be a good martial artist and all these different things that I learned to apply that to anything else is, is just a carryover. Just, you have to apply all of those different facets. So I'd be curious, um, just your thoughts on mindset in general, you know, working with elite performers and what it takes to be successful. And then that carryover into, you know, what does it take to be successful in business or in life in other avenues beyond sport or strength? Yeah, I think, I think the thing that retains people and pushes those limits is passion. So, you know, my passion is I try to help as many people that will listen. And with that being said, I try to make and promote products that I feel are better for everyone. You know, it's great to have these extreme goals. But in reality, what you need to have is a solid plan of whatever you're trying to do. I find that people that plan and are passionate about what they do tend to fall into the right luck to be successful. It's the people that aren't planning and aren't following their passions and aren't following those types of things become a huge problem because everybody can have a hobby or an interest, but there's differences because a passion means you're willing to work through ruts and hard times. I mean, yeah, I've been through probably 10 or 15 times in the last 10 or 15 years where I'm like, am I in the right profession? And what I, what should I, what should I really be doing? And then you find after digging really hard for 10 years, you find out who you are, what you're made of and what you're capable of doing. And then it just starts opening it up the floodgates. You know, I one of the biggest kicks in the ass that I had is when I got out of graduate school for the first year, I started to realize that nobody gave a shit that I had a master's degree. Nobody cared that I was top 10 in the world and in, in, in powerlifting. I had to start from ground zero. And that for a lot of people could mean, well, screw this. I'm going to do something different because I'm not getting that immediate attention. And what I started to find is that as I dug for a year or two and started really just applying my passion, not focused on the economic side of it, but more being the best person I could be in my field. Um, Sorry, sorry. Some reason I got some kind of a call. Sorry about that. Um, But I started to realize that to be the best in my field would lead to those financial increases. So with that being said, um, I find that 
if you could be, if whatever you want to do in your life, it doesn't matter what it is, could be music, art, training, um, martial arts, it doesn't matter. If you are truly passionate about what you do and there is no timeline with how good you want to be, you will be successful. Remember what I said, I trained from the age of 11 to 28 to break my first world record with no misses in the gym, maybe, maybe a month in total of training missed in 16, 18 years. But see, the thing of it is, I, we get these emails all the time. Like, hey, I've been training really hard for six months and I'm not getting any better. I don't even answer the fucking email. <laughs> I'm like, you're not the person you need. I'm not the person you need to be talking to. You need to find somebody else that has a quick fix that's going to injure you because I'm not your guy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, and they talk about, you know, 10,000 hours to master something, if that. And, you know, when I trained with the Shaolin monks, that's what I really recognized was this longevity, right? You know, they did all day, every day uh, for a long period of time because they absolutely loved it. That's what it takes. There is no short path. And, you know, and even in martial arts, they'll say it's, you know, it's one thing to be number one, but to stay number one, to keep that motivation, to keep that drive with all the distractions of the world, it can be a very challenging thing. So, you know, if you have passion and hard work and dedication, and I like what you said as well, is you began to focus on your passion and the economics will take care of itself because you know you're putting out value because you understand it um, and and you've lived it. And, and in that Dr. Joe book I was referring to earlier, it talked about just um, – that when they educated, it was like maids or something, how many calories they were burning um, as they went around and, and did their work, they began to treat it as a workout and they ended up losing a lot of weight. So what you're doing essentially with the strength coaching and all your education side is saying, hey, this is the reason why you do this much. And then you take the rest because you know you, you have that understanding. So then it's almost like, okay, I'm not doing nothing. My body is now growing what it needs. Yeah. And you have this deeper understanding of what you're doing puts you at a greater state of peace and understanding for the body to then adapt to what you wanted to adapt to. Um, yeah. Well, it, again, I want to stop. I want to really stop there because it's not what you can do physically and even mentally. It's not what you can do. It's what you can recover from. If you can't recover from what you're doing, your body might allow you to accomplish it, but it's not learning or adapting to it. And there is a fine line between getting something done and learning from it and adapting to it. And that is where I really learned that in my physical training was that, yeah, I can do more, but why? It's not going to do any better. And so what you start learning is optimization is the most important thing. You know, I might want to train my ass off today, but if that's how much energy I have and I'm supposed to be here, then I have to train to this energy level. Because if I go above that, I'm just digging a hole that I'm not going to come out of. It makes sense what I'm saying? Yeah, a hundred percent. And somebody asked in the comments, what are you drinking? So I'll just ask as you put it up there. <laughs> uh, yeah, like a sugar-free crystal light style stuff with natural uh, sweeteners in it. There you go. Yeah. And if you go to Matt's channel, he's got everything over there and you can post some questions. He's got a Patreon and stuff. So, and that's one of the big keys too. You can really accelerate your learning with a coach. You know, I've always, because I've been an athlete my whole life, I've always loved coaches. You know, I've loved doing programs. I love getting coached because that's their level of mastery. They've taken so much time and effort to yeah. do that. Yeah. There is definitely uh validity to learning yourself and trying stuff out. You should do that. 
and you know, find people you resonate with to learn these different things. If I want to learn art, I'll do some myself, but then I'll maybe call someone who I resonate with as an artist, learn that music, same thing. And it, and it also, one of the big things I think is the community aspect of it. You know, when you talked, uh, or when I watched Westside Barbell and I looked at, you know, you go into that gym in that environment, you know, you got people that are just ungodly strong. You kind of rise to that occasion and you start to um it's like mirror neurons you know they've got that idea and you start to adapt to this kind of environment right the sink or swim uh, idea and so surrounding yourself with the best is so key but at the same time what we want to do is we want to figure out you know what are our goals what are we looking what are we looking to actually do here so when we're looking at strength and performance you've got like strength you've got strongman you've got crossfit and i'm just curious from your perspective who do you think is like the greatest athlete on the planet? Do you think the CrossFit has a little bit or do you think they're all separate categories? Well, Dr. Mike, um, one of my, one of my good friends, um, he's on Instagram. You have to look him up. Dr. Mike, he's posting which ones have the highest injury rates. And that's when you start looking and going, well, powerlifting is pretty safe. Strongman and CrossFit start to get a little bit out of hand. And so what I start to realize is to me, it's a risk to benefit ratio for the average person because CrossFit's been so watered down, there's so few high-skilled coaching, I would stay away from it. Because chances are, you walk into your average CrossFit gym, you're going to get lots of injuries, you're going to feel like shit, and you're going to massively overtrain. Because they just don't have the background. No, None of them have to have master's degrees. Very few of them are the best in the world at the CrossFit. They're just, they took a weekend course, right? So what I'm saying is, is Strongman is one of those other things, too, that looks cool on TV, but what you realize is when you see these guys, these pro guys in person, the average person's not built like that. And so for them to be able to do those insane feats of strength, you're finding that for most people, it's high injury rates. So for me, it's a risk to benefit ratio at all at all times. And I'm not saying that there aren't stupid powerlifting coaches out there. And I'm not saying that powerlifting is initially, initially safe if you don't have good coaching as well. <clears throat> but what I will say is that you need to find somebody that's highly skilled. And what I look at is, right, if you are building a chair, like a stool, you're going to have three, you, you can stand a, a stool on three legs, but not two, right? So what are my three legs of training? One, what's the education level? If somebody doesn't have any education, then the chances are they're not well-rounded and don't understand how to train properly. I'm not saying it's always the case, but it usually is. Two, what was their proficiency level? Did they make it to a national level? world-class level. That's another leg is I'm not saying it's everything, but it's definitely something. And the third leg is how long did they stay good? Because if somebody stayed good for a decade or 15 years, that means they know how to train smart and not get hurt versus somebody goes, well, I was the best in the world. Well, you were the best in the world for one time and then you were injured forever. So that means that you didn't understand how to do anything. So my point is, is you have to have education, experience, and longevity. Those three things are huge in selecting. I don't care what it is. If it's a business guy, you know, you might get somebody that just walks into the gas station, scratches off a scratch off lottery ticket and wins $50 million. Does that mean they know how to get rich? Hell no. Right. And then you got dudes that have been busting their ass for 20 years and a, in a business sense, understood the pitfalls. And that's really why you want to, um, you know, start gravitating towards coaching of whatever it is, business coaching, strength conditioning coaching, because what you're actually paying for is to stay away from pitfalls and wrong turns and how you're doing things. 
So really the shortcuts are education. You need to find somebody that's smarter than you, that's been where you want to be and has figured out what things you need to stay away from. That is really the key. And I find that CrossFit, because it's been oversaturated with so many shitty coaches, um, you have to be careful with that. But they're all there. I mean, you have that in strongman. You have that in powerlifting. So I find that if somebody's looking for someone to help, look for the three pillars, right? Education, experience, and longevity. You know, those three things or height of experience and longevity, those three things create a, a strong foundation for something to stand on. It, it, you know, just because somebody maybe is highly educated, but they don't have any experience, that's a problem. You got people that are meatheads and all they understand is weight training, but they don't really understand how to apply it to anything. That's a problem, too. And then you got guys that are super freaks and really good, but they're only good for a short period of time. and They're constantly injured. Not somebody you want to listen to either. And I find that, you know, MMAs might be a little bit different, jujitsu and the things that you're into. There are places you can go if you're good enough and make lots and lots of money, right? But in reality, for most pro strongman, they're going to be lucky to make 100000 a year, beating their body to pieces. In powerlifting, you're going to win. I probably in all of my career earnings, not including sponsorships and all that, I probably made $20,000 in 20 years. <laughs> so my point is, is like, you're going to train yourself and beat yourself to a pulp for a medal or a trophy. And you want to train like an idiot. You know, it doesn't make any sense. So I, I say, you know, whatever you're interested in, that's great, but you need to be very careful in selecting who you're going to listen to and make sure that your, your game is long thought process to where you can get to these particular goals that you may have, as long as they're reasonable and not pay for them. And I think that's the biggest problem, especially on the physicality side is we have so many people that want to achieve something, but they're not concerned with achieving it with low mileage. You have to learn how to get insanely strong or whatever it is you want to do and not beat yourself to pieces when you get there. For instance, my knees, my back, my shoulders are amazing, and I broke multiple world records. That means I had to have known what I was doing and done it very, very smart in order to get to that level and not have the mileage. Because let's face it, I've been through, I'm 43 this year, and I've been through three generations of the top level lifters in the world. And you know how many of them are still left? Me and maybe three or four other guys that still train hard enough to compete. So the point is, is why would you listen to somebody that's only good for a year? That doesn't necessarily mean they know what they're doing. See what I mean? Yeah, you bring up a lot of really great points there, especially in when people look at powerlifting and weight training. If they're new to it, they say, oh, you know, you don't want to deadlift because you can hurt your back and it's bad for your knees and this and that. And and it seems like that is true if you don't know how to lift. If you improperly lift, then absolutely you're going to hurt yourself pretty quick. So coaching and technique is absolutely well, paramount. And then you can use that extra – go ahead, exercise over time, right? Yeah, think about it in this perspective. How many gyms you, – you've worked out. How many gyms have you walked into and been like, man, that guy's form's really good? <laughs> Not many, <laughs> right? But you watch me do stuff and it looks impeccable, right? Because I put form before intensity, you know? And that's the other thing that I think people don't realize with physicality is your technique has to be perfect before you can enhance loading. You cannot build a base on shitty form. It just doesn't work, you know? And sometimes form is dictated by lack of muscle weaknesses, so if my hamstrings are weak, you can practice squats every day, all day till the cows come home. And unless you balance out that quadricep to hamstring ratio, you're not going to be able to squat correctly. That's not what anybody wants to hear, because if your hamstrings are weak, it usually takes anywhere from 24 to 36 months to increase that and get it balanced. Three years. 
So you got to get all the muscle groups balanced before you can attack. And that's why the Soviets and Eastern Germans, and even now the Chinese, they start the kids off at six or seven years old. They're not doing weight training, but they're balancing out the muscles. So that when the loading starts, there's hardly any technical proficiency that they need to attack because their body's already so balanced that they learn so fast. Their base athleticism is so good that now all they got to do is push the loading and they get better. Versus when do most people get into weight training? Well, in Canada and America and most of the Western countries, oh, I'm 16 years old. I want to start training. Well, okay. Well, now you're not going to be super strong until you're 25 because you started 10 years later than the, than the kids did in the Eastern Bloc countries. Yeah. And when we're talking about this type of training, like the squat and deadlift, particularly, you know, that's, what's going to really help you become strong. Like if we're thinking about how strong a person, maybe shoulder press too, um, you need to be able to do those exercises and there's carryover to everything. You know, whenever I'm moving something and compared to someone else, I know usually it's not a challenge for me. You know what I mean? I can just move it. And again, this is a part of being like a human being. We're constantly lifting stuff, carrying stuff. You know, when you go to, you know, our ancestors probably putting a, a deer on their back or whatever. Imagine you had to get a moose out without a without a four by four or something. You know, we were we were doing all these things and we're and then it, you know, you probably know better me, than me, but just all the benefits from training, right? The the testosterone or whatever the case happens yeah. for a man and all that stuff that happened and all the, all the good, I don't know, chemicals that happen are so important because that will carry on that energy carries on to other aspects of your life, to your relationships, to what you want to do for business, for you be able to, to think big. And of all the guests that I've had and all the people that I've talked to, well, guess what? If your health is, is messed up, you are not thinking about what you're passionate about, what you can do, how to be a good member of your community, how to support other people, because you're literally just trying to survive because your body's killing you because you yeah. didn't take care of it. So I'd yeah. be curious, um, you know, as we're talking about this longevity thing, again, we, you don't have to be, you know, five, six, 700 pound deadlifter, although for you, that's not even that much, which is unbelievable. Um, you know, if you did it over time, just a little bit over time, you're going to be so much stronger. Your body's going to have better structural integrity. Um, and you're going to build your body up with everything that it needs to be strong over a long period. And that's kind of my follow-up question is, you know, when we look at the power lifters and uh, CrossFit too, I, I know about the injuries in CrossFit. And when I looked at Pavel Tatsulin's work, that's kind of how I started where I was doing, um, snowboarding and skateboarding and martial arts. And I was only doing, you know, uh, circuit training and hitting the bag and stuff like that. So I didn't even know how to do a squat, which is ridiculous. Cause I didn't want to blow my legs out for snowboarding. I didn't really have that understanding at the time. And yeah. so I just started doing very minimal training, but getting very, very strong. So I was like, I like this, right. Cause I can still go snowboarding. I can still yeah. go skateboarding. So his idea was, uh, to be minimal. And I'm just curious your thought about the longevity piece of this. Cause when we look at, you know, West side barbell and what you just said, uh, you know, people got injured and then they flame out and their bodies don't work. I don't want that. I want to be old. I want to be fit. I want to be mobile. Well, and so how do you, you know, integrate that type well, of uh, and every, anything that you're going to push to an extreme is not healthy. Right. Mm. It, a lot of people don't realize this, but the average tenure at West side barbell was less than the average tenure in the NFL. Most of the guys lasted anywhere from one year to two years, and they were they were beat up. And that should have shown and attested to Louie. That's where Louie, I felt, could have learned a little bit more about being patient with people and letting them develop slower. But for him, he felt like he was always on a time clock. And if somebody couldn't get strong fast enough, well, they just weren't good enough or they weren't willing to put the work in. But what I found was 
is that your genetics play a key role in how long something takes for you, right? Bo Jackson could never train in the offseason, would show up at spring ball for either NFL or MLB, and he would kick everybody's ass. That's that's one person out of 10 million. But what I start to realize is that, you know, you have to have that longer timeline. That's what's going to make it healthy. And then you have to decide. I feel that for the average person getting much over one and a half times body weight on the bench press, much over two or 2.5 times body weight on the squat and deadlift, you're into that position where you're strong enough and going past that's actually going to enhance mileage unless your timeline's 20 years. Like you see me do outlandish things. Like today, I deadlifted like 300 pounds with two fingers for speed work, just messing around. <laughs> but you got to remember that I have been doing this since I was a kid. And so something that would be da- damaging to someone else is not damaging to me. But it was the timeline that allows you to do intensive things. I would say for the average person, the most important thing taking it away from powerlifting and strength is, you know, eat a little cleaner and make sure you're getting proper sleep and then make sure that you're damaging some muscle every, you know, 72 hours. So a couple of times a week, and you'd be amazed at not only how much stronger you would get, but also your quality of life. Because in reality, I don't think that it makes you, I don't think that strength training or cardio or any of that makes you live longer per se, but your quality of life is much higher. And that's what we should really be shooting for, right? I mean, the average person is going to live till 70 to 80 years old. That's just going to be forever. But what can you do at 70 years old? Because most people at 70 years old are in a fucking wheelchair and going to assisted living. But if you're still active and can go do whatever you want to do, that to me is what you should be shooting for. And it doesn't matter whether you're in business or whatever, you know, you cannot put your finances in front of your health or your, your health's going to dictate your finances, right? You're going to start all that money you made, you're going to burn in the last five to 10% of your life because you were unhealthy the whole time. And so for me, it's an investment. You know, you need to look at training, posture correction and proper coaching as an investment. And, you know, with insurance costs, the way they are now, it's a lot cheaper than getting unhealthy. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's another uh, really great point. And in people, there's a another great quote that talks about people who trade their like, I don't know, their money for time and their time for health or something like that. I, people know what I'm talking about. But, uh, you know, it's it, that's what we do, right? And then we retire and then we say, okay, these are the golden years, or this is what we're trained to think anyways. And, uh, you know, if you... I think for fitness anyway, it should just be a, a part of your life. What, whatever capacity you want to do that, you just have to have a, a take care of your body as a part of your life that's a non-negotiable in whatever way that you want to do that. And I, I want to ask you um, yeah, about failure. Just like it seems like many people have a very soft mindset. And for my training in martial arts, I think I have a soft mindset, but I forced myself to do hard stuff. So when Wim Hof came out with the cold training, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go test that. So I wait till I'm in Canada and it's freezing cold. My, and I go out every day. It sucks total ass. Um, but I do it just to know that I'm capable of doing it. My, and it's a great, you know, mind, body, spirit, you know, martial arts, they teach you that kind of idea. Well, it does that right in the very moment. It's meditative because your mind is screaming at you to get the F out right? Even if you do a get out, right? But then you're taking control of that and you're saying, stay here. You're not doing that. And then you're like, okay, this is an interesting battle of what's going on. And that's what it takes to push ourselves. Because when we have a failure, 
then that's the internal dialogue. Are we going to respond to the setback we've had and try to overcome it in some sort of way and look for a solution? Or do we let that internal battle beat us, right? And then stay down. And, I, and I'm sure in your life and what you've experienced, you've seen a lot. So how do we help them? Or what are some of your keys to mindset and success and overcoming failure? I think you just, I don't think it's really failure. I think it's just learning to be uncomfortable, right? Like, I think you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? People that are, insanely wealthy, you know, not the guy that hit the lotto at the gas station, but like most people are, they're willing to put more work in than other people. They're willing to put those extra hours in with training. They're willing to go a little bit past the pain threshold. But then, like I said, we talked about optimization. I think that the problem is, is that you want to work towards doing things that are impossible for most people very slowly. And the reason they're impossible for them is because they haven't built a tolerance you know, I've built a tolerance to put an insane weights on my back and in my hands over many, many, many years. Now, if the average person comes in and tries to do what I do, they're going to go to the hospital. But if they were to put the 20, 25 years in, they wouldn't. So the point is, is it's, it's back to timeline and it's back to always putting yourself in a little bit of an uncomfortable environment. And it doesn't have to be extreme at first. I have found with training thousands of people that if you just push the envelope and build the confidence, so you make them a little bit out of their comfort zone just five percent and then two weeks later it's ten percent and then three weeks four weeks later it's fifteen percent and then in six months you're doing double what they could have done before but attacking it like you want them to be where they're at now six months is not a good idea and that's where everybody screws up with everything they either go 100 miles an hour or they go zero miles an hour the trick is go 15 miles an hour for 10 years (laughs) now it's sustainable and it's adaptable. Again, we're going back to adaptability. You might be able to sit in a cold tub for 20 minutes, but the first time you're going to want to die in two minutes, that doesn't necessarily mean sitting until 20 is going to do anything better for you. Maybe the first 30 seconds did everything you needed it to do, and then you need to go to 40 seconds, then 50 seconds, and then 60, and build it up over time. So I think that problem is, is that, again, it comes back down to impatience. Everybody wants to be 100 miles an hour tomorrow, and that's why you got pills and liposuction and all these fucking shortcuts versus actually putting the work in and having the 10 and 20 year plan. You know, that's that's my opinion. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I, I feel like consistency is key. And I remember uh, coaching someone and they said, I think their shoulders were sore or something. They wanted to do like 20 pushups. And this is a, you know, a man too. And I was like, that's not very many. And so, uh, or maybe it was 50 or something, but he had an injury. So that was a reason. Yeah. I said, well, what you're going to do is you're just going to do a couple a day throughout the day. So get up, right? Do one or two in the morning and go just until it hurts, right? Don't make it hurt. Just go stop before that. Um, and that's one of the keys that I learned from Pavel Satsulam that I liked is just greasing the groove and staying consistent, right? The more I skateboard, the better at skateboarding I get. The more I lift, the better at lifting I get. And so it goes through these ebbs and flows, but consistency is the key. And if you want to get to mastery level, it's consistency over years of time. And, and one of your stories reminded me of when I went to uh, China to train with the Shaolin monks. I went there because I wanted to know if this was legit because in the martial arts world and in the strength coach, you got the fake weights and stuff like that's out there. Well, in the martial arts world, you've got these tricks, these feats of strength where they, where they got the, the ice and stuff like that. So these guys could break stone with, with two fingers and all these crazy things. So I had to know if this was true. So as I'm interviewing one of these masters, I got this special interview and I said, what's the trick? I'm not flying all the way to China 
for to get tricked. I'm asking him directly. And basically I ask him three times and there's a translator and he gets annoyed on the third time. He starts slamming his fingers down on the desk at this oak desk. And he says, years, you know, it took me um, seven, eight years of Qigong of this internal system of meditation and direct. They, you know, what he says is he puts the focus on his fingers, but then outside the Academy, there are literally dent holes in trees where part of my training was poking a mother effing tree. So you would think that it's insane to break a, a piece of stone with two fingers, but what kind of lunatic is training? They trained all day, every day, five days a week, right? And and you have the marks inside trees showing what they're doing just to show you what's possible. And that's where I had that big realization that anything that I wanted to do in my life, you know, if I could get 70% of that dedication that took for him to break the stone and he could do bigger pieces over his elbows and all these other, other points. Um, that's what it would take. And so this success mindset, it's not that complicated, um, but it's hard to sustain because yeah. we want that quick fix. And that's what we're really being um, taught to and conditioned, right? Just like the fitness influencers and things like that, not to knock it. It's just to have a, a deeper understanding and a, and a higher level of authenticity for the time. And from yeah. the martial arts perspective, I see it as, you know, these are, you know, white belts are maybe uh, green belts or purple belts, um, you know, but they're saying they're black belts. Right. And so in strength lifting and sports, you can always see the direct. He's like, well, actually, you're a white belt because we can see how much weight you're putting on there or this is all you can do. So this is the, the belt you're at. But there's no problem with that. The problem is, you know, trying to go uh, 10 years down your down the line of where you should be. Right. And then you kind of throw yourself off and you throw other people off as well. Oh, exactly. I mean, that's the thing is we go back down to the same the same rabbit hole, which is consistency over intensity. Quit focusing on the day. And focus on the year, you know, and that's the thing, like with busting holes in trees. I mean, they're they're doing it at a steady pace every day and not trying to do the whole thing in one rip. I mean, that's how you get really good at anything. Just like I was talking about with my strength training, just like I talk about with people in business, you build upon those blocks over very long periods of time. But the problem is nobody wants to lay down the mortar and start stacking brick by brick to build the wall. They want to put the wall up in 30 minutes. And you know, that's what I like about physicality is that you can't buy what I have. You can't buy it. You have to put the years in to get it. You can't take enough drugs to, to beat me. You can't, if you're not willing to put 25 years in, you're not going to be Matt winning. You're not going to be, you know, somebody like that. You're going to have to put the time in. And that's what I really like about it is I put the time and sacrifice what it took to get to where I wanted to be. And, uh, you know, it's hard because you want to, you want to tell these kids like, hey, it's going to take a while, but I'll give you an example. Um, I squat 700 when I'm 21 years old, and it was pretty easy. And at that time, one of the best lifters to ever live, Eddie Cohen, was there. And he was, you know, 10-time world champion, had 70 world records. I mean, the dude's a fucking psycho. He comes up to me and goes, man, if you can train really hard for another six or eight years, you'll squat 800. Think about what that would do to the average person. You mean I got to do this for another six or eight years just to put on another hundred pounds? But you know what? I didn't care. I was passionate about doing it and I would take as long as it took to get it to where I wanted to be. And guess what? I did it in two and a half years. But what I found was, is Eddie was telling me that to see what kind of person I was. Because I was 21 years old. I was gifted somewhat. I was willing to work my ass off, but I was gifted. And he was willing to see if I was in this for the long game or if I was just going to be a flash in the frying pan. And what did he find out? What did I find out was that I was in it for life, right? So 
stop not stopping at 800 i take it all the way to 1200 you know what i mean so yeah <laughs> that's amazing well matt i'd love to talk to you all day i want to honor and respect your time i'll just yeah. throw one quick one in there um so for the people out there that are um you know influencing like some of these like eddie Cohn and these other people uh who do you like to to follow as far as their education and their mindset and their training methodologies like who who do you like out there that that's in the world right now well, I mean, it's it's hard because I'm kind of in my own bubble, some somewhat. But I will say, uh, Doctor John Russin, he's a you know a PhD in physical therapy. He's very smart. Um, obviously, Stan Efforting with the vertical diet. He's not only been at the top of powerlifting, but also at the top of bodybuilding, and he still looks amazing at 60. Um, Mike O'Hearn is another guy that's been around for 35, 40 years, just grinding his ass off. Still looks good. Doesn't have any injuries. Um, and those guys are all aesthetic more, you know, they have that look of just, you know, and they're crazy. And Michael Hearn's 55 years old now. Um, you have, if you can find anything that Charles Poliquin wrote in the past, he passed away in 2018, but he put out a lot of research. Um, obviously Louis Simmons can be a little bit difficult to read if it's not your background, but interesting nonetheless. Um, Dave Tate from Elite FTS puts out a lot of really good stuff. Um, there's a guy named Istvan Bali that was a Canadian hockey coach. Uh, he would be another guy that read. He talks about train to train, train to compete, and train to win, the three phases, and builds it like a pyramid. Um, you have guys like Charlie Francis that trained Ben Johnson um, that was the first Westerner to tie in strength with speed. Um, you can find old articles from uh, um, Dr. Fred Hatfield, the guy we talked about with compensatory acceleration. Those would be the guys that I would say on the top of my list that you would definitely want to be um, very tied into. Another two Soviet researchers that I think can never be overlooked and I consider the smartest minds to ever touch barbell work was Berkashansky and Zatsyorsky. Those two guys are just beyond comprehension of how smart they were and the things that they figured out from the 60s to the 90s. So I have every one of their books and read everything. So a lot of the stuff that I do is based off of old school Eastern Bloc studies. And the reason is because a communistic system uh, with all of its faults is an amazing system for developing athletes and finding true research and strength training based on the fact that you can treat people more like lab rats than you can in America, which you're just not going to get away with that. Over there, the guys lived in barracks, they trained and their whole life was around training. So you find optimization in those particular quarters. And that's why a lot of the good Soviet coaches, when the Soviet system fell apart, went to China because China had the same system. And that way they had control over the athletes to truly make proper strength training gains. So I find that America, we did tend to find freaks to play sports. And in the Soviet Union and the Chinese, they make people better at playing sports due to science and application of proper training methods. Well, I appreciate those suggestions and, and your channel has a, a ton of great stuff and you have a Patreon where you dive deep, but even if you use, you know, your channel alone, you know, and you go through those resources, um, you know, and you pick it up and my suggestion to people, especially the men out there, because when I'm going and I see these young kids, um, so many of them are so soft. 
You know what I mean? It's, and I'm not saying it's a bad, you, you can be soft. That's okay. But you know, we're all given a human body, man or woman, and we should learn how to understand that in whatever way. And I like it. You know, Paul Chuck talks about it a little bit. And, you know, from my martial arts background, we talk about that a little bit. I, I'll actually ask you directly. Um, you know, we, we have one element that's the internal. It's like the meditative. So when I'm looking at a kid, how do I break the stone or how do I have more power? There's this mind body connection. I guarantee well, you'll tell me in a moment when you're lifting some insane weights, it's like you have to turn something on this focus where you're directing the body to do something. So I, w- I would think it's the same. Did you train that in any way or what's your understanding of that? Well, I think some of it can be learned and some of it has to be genetic. I think that some people have that. I'm, and I'm talking at the elite level. Some people just have that switch. I mean, I know that when I squatted my biggest weights, and deadlifted my biggest weights and bench pressed my biggest weights. My mindset is technical proficiency, but in deep with deep rage. So the technical proficiency comes from training the exact same groove constantly to master the movement. And then after that, you have to have that controlled intensity. Um, I don't know if that's learned. Um, and again, I started at such a young age, you know, you're talking 30 years ago, but you find that some people just have it and some people don't, and it's just not coachable um, for some. some. For some others, they can develop. And I think that's the biggest thing that we need to be focusing on as adults is not where we are at now or where we want to be, but our ability to be adaptable. Being adaptable, whether it's physical or mental, is the most important thing you can be. And strength, I think, enhances adaptability to no matter what type of uh, lifestyle that you want to lead or whatever you're the stronger you are the harder you are to break and the less amount of mileage you're going to get with higher impact so if you're a runner you need to be strong if you're a jujitsu guy you need to be strong so when you take that hard fall you don't break something you might still get bruised but you're not getting injured you know and that's the difference between strong and weak and soft and stout you know is it you want to start working towards being a little bit more resilient and adaptable Yep. A hundred percent agree. Well, Matt, this has been uh, a real pleasure. Is there anything that you wish that we had talked about or that you want to cover before we close this show? No, not really. I think this big thing is guys, no matter what you want to get into, try to find the most proficient person in the area that you can. The nice thing about the internet is that you can contact anybody all over the world. Now you don't have to have that, you know, um, within a five mile radius to learn anything. What I would say that needs to be very careful, carefully analyzes who are you listening to and why are you listening to them? And if they don't have those three pillars that we talked about to make the stool stand up, you need to be very careful because a lot of times people are going to sell you, especially quick fix people are going to sell you what they already have with genetics. They're not going to sell you what they know. And just because someone got somewhere with something doesn't mean that's going to get you anywhere because everybody's different. And you have to understand that Differences are good, but only good if you know how to adapt what you're trying to get to. I mean, my exact training cycle, I don't use with all of my clients. They can't sustain it. So you have to be smart enough to know what is usable and what is not. And that only comes from experience. So find the people that have the most experience, the most longevity, the least amount of injuries. If you're talking physicality, look at people not because they're wealthy, but how do they get wealthy if it's business? How do they become successful in whatever they're doing? And you'll find that most people are just willing to put in the work. And if you're willing to put in the work and the patience and the time, you can be whatever you want to be within your genetic limitations. 
Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you for coming on and all the work you're doing and the inspiration and the content and, and yeah. everything you're putting out there. I'm excited to see where you'll, where you'll go and how you'll evolve, you know, as you get into your golden years. Cause now what I'm inspired by, I, I've always thought that I'll be like the, sh- the older I get, the stronger I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to just be smarter about it. And when I'm 60 or 70, I'm still going to be super strong. So you'll be a few years ahead, uh, <laughs> you know, making sure I don't injure, so, injure myself as I try, uh, where should people find, or can they find your work and, and what you put out there yeah so we have a youtube channel where i put out a lot of free information that's winning strength youtube channel and i'd be more than you know i I would really appreciate anybody getting on there and making comments subscribing and just trying to be interactive with the channel um i dive into a lot of topics that youtube's algorithm doesn't really attack too much because i'm not trying to sell anybody quick fixes and utilize a lot of catchphrases and stupid shit so you find that YouTube is not really there to educate anyone. Uh, that the highest level pages with the most followers tend to be stuff that's trying to sell quick fixes and do stupid shit. So anybody can get on the YouTube channel and help us would be amazing. Um, we also, like you talked about, we have a Patreon channel where we go into depth and show proper workouts, answer questions, um, do special projects and show special techniques on exercises. We also have a train heroic, which is very affordable for people to train smarter than they would be able to find in a magazine, have proper rotations and uh, posture development and all these other things, no matter what your goals are. Um, and then also, you know, the winningstrength.com, we, we have some of the best lifting equipment in the world that I personally made all of the R&D for. Um, we have the best manuals that I've ever seen as far as not only experience, but also scientific background. So whether you want to put on some muscle mass or you want to lose weight or you want to get strong like a powerlifter, we have all of those bases covered. And it'd be awesome for you guys to go and check those particular uh, pieces out and just see what we have to offer because I think you'd be stunned. Yeah, that you have a lot of resources. And I went through the Train Heroic recently. I wanted to switch things up and I've been doing it for about three months. So if you don't know anything at all, it walks you through, you know, you don't have to worry about, you get into it, you get into periodization and do I lift heavy and how many reps and how many sets is it body? All these questions, which are great if you want to master it and understand it. But if you want to just get in and start applying it and start understanding and have a community that can give you feedback, you're already going to be on the accelerated path. Like if you come snowboarding with me, you've never done it in your life i'm gonna get you up and going in day one you can go learn it yourself and you're but you're probably gonna fall down a lot of people break their arm because they don't know what they're doing right so you're gonna avoid all of these uh painful pitfalls so that's what you're offering on trainer rogue which again for people this has never been accessible before it's never been so easy to get such a high level master you know from my background like doing martial arts i'd be like oh well matt you know is a kick-ass boxing guy or or you know i'm gonna go down there and i'm gonna go train with him one-on-one so i know well, now you have that opportunity. And so it's just yep. a massive opportunity for people to uh, level up and, and get engaged and start using proficient training immediately where they can just take the thinking out of it um, and then, you know, take care of that one area of your life because we shouldn't be, you know, neglecting our bodies, right? If you have a strong and healthy body, it builds confidence. Then you can work on all those other aspects of your life. Um, you yep. know, if you have a crappy body, you, you're probably going to leak into your relationships and everything else. There's there's no downfall from having a strong and healthy body. So uh, appreciate Appreciate you and your work and for coming on not a problem buddy all right guys that's it thanks for watching see you in the next one peace 
There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely amazing Matt Wenning. I hope that you enjoyed that show and you got a ton of value. Uh, Matt is truly an expert, a, a world record holder, uh, just a wealth of knowledge around strength, wellness, and fitness. And so I invite you to check out his channel. Please share this episode far and wide if you enjoyed it. Consider becoming a member at mattbelair.com. You can do so for free or you can chip in by donation and get some exclusive members-only content and uh, support this show. If you're interested in some of the coaching and programs, just uh, make an inquiry matt at zenathlete.com we've got the soul compass course the quantum heart hypnosis one-on-one coaching and group coaching so lots of ways for you to have support to have accountability community and training to help you design and build your dreams from the most authentic parts of who you are so thank you so much for listening to this show let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we close it up wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath And let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with joy, peace, contentment, power, faith, encouragement, inspiration, and get ready to enjoy the rest of your day. So thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.